I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. The Sacramento Kings are back today taking on the Memphis Grizzlies, and they have some reinforcements. Alvin Gentry has cleared health and safety protocols, so he'll be back on the bench for the Kings as their interim head coach. Plus, some players are available. Not sure if De'Aaron Fox, as of right now, is going to be amongst them. We're going to have to wait and find out that before game time tonight. But on today's Locked on Kings podcast, I'm joined by Katie Christensen, television uh, color analyst uh, with Mark Jones and Kyle Drake. Paper, former sideline reporter, uh, TV host. Katie has been involved with Sacramento Kings television broadcast for a long, long time. Anytime we can have here on the podcast is an absolute treat. She's going to talk about the Fox and Halliburton pairing coming back together once Fox is available. Talk about Halliburton's success taking over running the team with Fox out amongst many other things. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. <laughs> You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years as my eighth season covering Kings basketball, formerly for Sports 1140 KHDK Radio, now with ABC 10 News and Television here in the California capital. And yes, Alvin Gentry has cleared health and safety protocols, so he should be back taking over for Doug Christie, retaking back the head coaching duties. Congratulations to Doug Christie for that five-game stretch, even if it wasn't the most successful for the Kings. Doug did a phenomenal job. Katie and I in our interview today are going to discuss Doug, uh, how he took on that position, our expectations for him as a coach going forward. Katie's going to share some uh, excellent um, involvement and, and uh, experiences that she's had working with Doug and why she uh, was not surprised at all to see that translate, why she thought he was going to be uh, so successful. And he was so successful uh, taking over on such short notice uh, for Gentry when he went down with COVID-19. Other players are expected uh, to be available for the Kings. We don't have the full list yet. I do know that uh, De'Aaron Fox is listed as questionable as of right now for tonight's game. Uh, so as the game gets closer, keep an eye out uh, for any news and updates on who's going to be available for the Kings against the Grizzlies tonight. Now, I don't have too much time to lose because my conversation with Katie is going to dominate today's podcast. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Hope you had a wonderful time with your family and with your friends. Hope you enjoyed the couple days off of no Kings basketball, but now we have Kings basketball back. Before you get to tonight's game against the Grizzlies, please enjoy my conversation with Sacramento Kings television analyst, Katie Christensen. I don't think there's too much to be happy about a 13 and 20 record at the, uh, the, the Christmas break for the Sacramento Kings, but 33 games now into the regular season, Katie Christensen, can we consider you a broadcast veteran at this point in the color commentator position, or are you still feel like uh, you're, you're fighting through those, uh, those rookie bumps? Oh, I feel like I've kind of got my sea legs, but you know how it is with, with anything in this business, the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel, but it's been, it's been a good start. I, I I'm really, really enjoying it. 
It's always a treat to have Katie Christensen join me here on the Lockdown Kings podcast. And this is a, kind of our a Christmas special having you on during this very busy time. And, and Katie, uh, as as you're very familiar with during the regular season, but now in, in the kind of color commentator position, uh, the ups and downs of a season, how many games back to back, very little practice time. And uh, it can go from game one to game 33 really quickly. But at the same time, too, the season has felt long and and frustrating and more of a roller coaster than usual has it felt that way for you in the uh, in the broadcast booth that's an interesting question I mean it feels like it's gone really really fast but then in retrospect when you kind of think about it they, they've dealt with so much early on like a new coach uh, and then Alvin Gentry steps in and he contracts COVID and the team is hit with health and safety protocols and Doug Christie is, is now in the big chair in the time being like, there's been a lot of stuff that's kind of happened. And then Rashawn Holmes's injury and, and all of that. So it's, it's kind of been a more up and down season to start than I remember last year being. And last year was a, a crazy weird season because at this point we hadn't even started games yet. Yeah, it's weird to think that it's been over or near uh, nearly two years since everything first started. It feels like it's been a decade at this point. And, and I know the NBA is trying as hard as it can to get back to as close to a normal season as possible. But these last few weeks have been anything but that. But before we get to what's going on right now and then what's hopefully going to be happening uh, for the, the remainder of the season, Katie, I want to go back to the very beginning of the season where we saw this team get off to a good start, five and four through their first nine games, impressive wins against some good teams. Also, some of the the games that they lost were very winnable games also against impressive teams, like how they, they uh, played against the Utah jazz in the home opener, how they played against the golden state warriors early on in the season uh, at home. But after that nine game period, this, this team kind of dropped off uh, a little bit and, and started to revert back to some of their inconsistent tendencies and, and at times bad decision-making bad habits that this, this group has had for a while. What is the biggest thing that you noticed from those first nine games to maybe that six to seven game stretch after that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just defensively, there was a, a big downturn. And that was the most noticeable thing that um, when they started the season, it was like, wow, okay, this, this team can play some defense. And they were relying on that. And they were creating offense, you know, from their defense and, and kind of playing the way that, you know, you have to be able to play to win games in this league. And then from that point on, and it's really no surprise to me because, you know, when you think of it, this team has a, some young players that are key parts of it. And then just when you look at personnel, you know, we played the Clippers, you know, on the on Wednesday and you look at that team that struggles to score, but yet they're able to win games because their defense is stifling. And it doesn't matter, you know, if they're missing three guys in the health, health and safety protocol or who's injured and not available like that team consistently comes out and plays defense and, and they won despite, you know, kind of the adversities that they're dealing with because they play defense. And so when you look at what the Kings have kind of gone through past that first nine or so games, it, you know, the only thing you can attribute it to is defense. 
Katie, you were known in your WNBA career for, for the defense that you played and over the course of a very long season. What does it take both from an individual perspective and from a team perspective to be consistent and sustainable defensively? Because as much as we loved what we were seeing from Davion Mitchell and, and the Kings uh, during the preseason and early on in the season, there was always that lingering question in the back of our minds. Can Davion keep this up? Can the Kings keep this up? And the answer pretty clearly as of right now has been no, they have not been able to. Well, you, this is my my playing experience, and this is my the way that I look at the game. Um, period. In general, it just when you when you look at it, the the problem that they have they have had is once you get into the season, you don't have a lot of practice time, and everybody deals with that. So when you have teams that have been together for a longer period of time, consistency in the coaching staff, all of those things that factor in, you know that that impacts your longevity and your ability to handle um, your consistency on that end throughout the course of the season. You know, you had, um, I believe it was was Rex Kalamian was the head of defense last year. Mm -hmm. He's no longer here. Mike Longabardi is, is kind of handling the defensive side of things this year. And, you know, he's been out the last several games as well in health and safety protocol. You've got, you know, uh, just all these factors that kind of play into it. But the biggest one for me on a team that, has not been good defensively coming off of last year. And with personnel things, it's the lack of practice time. When you have time to scout, when you have time to drill things and do it in practice, like you do in the preseason, um, coming into, you know, coming into the regular season, it's not a surprise to me that there was a drop off um, several, you know, a couple weeks in, because that's when the schedule starts taking over. That's when you're traveling and back to backs and, you're not getting a lot of on-court practice time. And when you do, it's really more conditioning stuff and shooting and, and trying to maintain those types of things. Um, it's hard to practice defense in the NBA at the level you need to, to be consistently good during the regular season. I mean, it's just, that's what a lot of teams face. And to me, again, it comes down to personnel and, and players that, you know, defense isn't definitely not their strong suit. Does it mean that they're they're going to be and will always be, you know, struggling on that end of the floor. No, but it's about being in a system that has stability, um, a system that they're familiar with, teammates that they're familiar with that are there year in, year out. And this team, just the 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 nature of the beast is you're trying to break a playoff uh, playoff drought like this. I mean, they're constantly overturning and looking for for you know what what is the answer. But in doing that looking for the answer also becomes part of your problem. And that's just what professional sports is. Once you get a core group that you can build with and and rely on and teach them over the course of a few years, the system and, you know, hone their, their skills on that end of the floor. That's when you start to see improvement. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Truebill. This is a must have app. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get your money out of you really without you knowing. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or you simply forgot about. 
On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. It is that simple. Truebill has over 2 million users, has helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA could save you thousands a year. That's not an exaggeration. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. What was surprising was that with the Kings getting off to as good of a start as they got off to during that stretch, De'Aaron Fox didn't look that great. And he and Tyrese Halliburton didn't look like they were cohesive at that point in time. Now, even though the the wins haven't come as frequently and, and the losses have started to pile up until, of course, um, all these, these COVID things happened and, and De'Aaron went back into health and safety protocols, it looked like Fox and Halliburton were getting more comfortable playing with one another, had a couple performances where, where both of them were effective instead of one uh, or the other. What was the thing that you noticed most early on in the season that they weren't doing that maybe they have started to figure out now? Well, I think that, you know, just as, as happenstance, De'Aaron Fox just started out, you know, slow this year. And I, if memory serves, he started out slow last year as well. And mm-hmm. it was an abbreviated training camp, but he also, you know, dealt with some stuff early on in the season where he wasn't getting a lot of practice time. And, you know, we went to a practice where, you know, he was on the sidelines the whole time, not available for practice, engaged, all of that stuff. But, you know, the, the one thing that will always prove effective is being able to practice and work out whatever kinks there are, whatever, you know, drought, that's how shooting droughts end. Um, But, you know, also I think one of the biggest issues early on in this season was, was the decision to kind of play Tyrese and De'Aaron side by side in the starting lineup. And that was something that people wanted to see so much last year. And we saw it in small bursts. But as the season kind of went along and and they were more comfortable and familiar and and things were rolling. And so Tyrese being kind of on ball, if you will, and and the primary playmaker took De'Aaron off ball and De'Aaron hasn't developed a consistent three point shot yet. So with his skill set, it's really hard for him to, to be effective and work himself into a rhythm and a flow when the ball is out of his hands quite a lot of the time in half court settings. And I didn't feel like, you know, I think there's some things that you can do to work around those things that weren't happening early in the year. Like, okay, you can always outlet to De'Aaron. You can always inbound the the ball to De'Aaron and allow him to to work in the open floor and use his speed and quickness and, and the tools that have made him so effective in this league. And then if that doesn't work, you know, and he can't get downhill, he can't get to the basket at right away, right out of the gate, then you can get into a half court set, turn it over to Tyrese and have him kind of run an, an offense, a high pick and roll. I think that's been the best offense they've had is, mm-hmm. is the two man game between Tyrese and, and Rashawn Holmes. And it's one of the best in the league, in my opinion. And I watch a lot of games. Those two have a special connection with each other. Um, and then now, you know, you've got De'Aaron that started to kind of get into a groove and then I felt Tyrese kind of took a, a, a step back in terms of really wanting to get other people involved and in his new role and not thinking enough about how to also involve himself in the offense um, as a not just as a playmaker but as a scorer and so those are things that that 
Tyrese has to work out. And I think he's, he's getting much better at it. And he's starting to figure out kind of the idiosyncrasies of, of kind of making decisions on when do I look for my shot? When do I look to get other people involved and reading things that way and, and learning how the defenses are also reacting to his playmaking ability. I mean, now he's, he's become such a good playmaker and passer, especially in that two man game teams are playing him for the pass. Now he's starting to look for his shot and he's starting to, to realize that he has to offensively get himself going. So it opens up things for everybody else. And it was the same thing with De'Aaron Fox early in his career. It was like, okay, you have to get yourself rolling so that you can open up things for other people um, first and instead of doing it in the reverse. So it's just young players that are, are figuring out the league and figuring out how teams defend them and what their scout is. And it's different with, with every team. So there's so much involved in it. Um, but I think they're making steps in the right direction. Katie Tyrese, uh, has had this four game stretch where like you were talking about really five game stretch. Um, he was forced to both step up as a, um, as a floor general, which he has been doing and as a scorer with the 20 plus points per game of De'Aaron Fox going down in health and safety protocols amongst way too many other names that are on that list mm-hmm. right now. And over the last four games, Tyrese has responded to where he's, he's made history in the Sacramento era Kings. The, the, the first player since like the eighties to score or have a, a double, double over 20 points, 10 assists in, in four straight games. He's proving that he can be effective in that role. And it, it makes, me wonder when De'Aaron does come back, is it possible or how can the Kings figure out whether it's Doug Christie or Alvin Gentry, how can they figure out how to get this version of Tyrese Halliburton or something close to this version with the De'Aaron Fox that we all know and love? You talked about Fox's uh, adaptation to playing more off the ball and trying to figure that out. I wonder if that has to happen more in order for this, uh, for those two to be more or most effective together. Cause based off of what I've seen out of Tyrese Halliburton, I'd even humor the idea of Tyrese becoming the, if there is such a thing, primary, primary ball handler and figuring out how to, um, run Fox off the ball, cutting to the basket, more catch and shoot three opportunities instead of step back isolation threes that he's been shooting short all season long. Uh, of course you still want De'Aaron to be able to attack, get downhill, get that mid range jumper that has become his go-to shot so far this season, but what do you see about, or what do you imagine, I guess, about the possibility of the two of them working together where Tyrese is still this effective? Is that possible? Oh, a hundred percent. And look, you can look throughout the league. And the one that comes to mind is you have CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard in Portland. And those are two guys that can put up a lot of points. They can create for other, for other people. And it's like, how have they learned to coexist? Well, it's taken them some time. And a lot of it too is, is figuring out a system. And that's one of the things that the Kings are kind of at a disadvantage at, at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the Alvin Gentry offensively, um, I have known Alvin for years and he was the the head coach in Phoenix when I was there playing for the Mercury. And I'm, I'm very familiar with his coaching style, his system. And I'm telling you right now, he has not been able to implement a lot of his stuff. And that is kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like, there is a lack of practice time and something that I, I, unless you've kind of been through it, you don't fully grasp the concept of it. When you say, I want to play with pace. Well, what does that mean? Right. You think, Oh, well, just play faster. 
it's something that has to be drilled into you to do it instinctually. And I mean, um, when I played in Phoenix and we, I played under Paul Westhead, um, the guru of go from the LMU days and, and kind of, you know, that system is so, so similar to, to Alvin Gentry's and it came from Mike D'Antoni's system. Um, it's to the point where when you practice, you practice on a made basket, the ball can't hit the ground before before you take it out of bounds because you can run on made baskets. And that's the, the pace that you have to consistently play with throughout 48 minutes because in the fourth quarter, it wears people down. And so even that is something like, okay, you don't have the time in the regular season to drill that concept. It's such a, a simple thing, but it's something that it kind of a lot of a pace high, high, you know, kind of tempo system goes against your, your nature as a basketball player because mm -hmm. of everything you've been taught growing up. Right. It's like, you think about, Oh, okay. You, you know, the, the opposing team made a bucket. So you're going to kind of, you see it all the time. You guys, guys walk, get the ball, hand it to the official, like wait, that kind of thing. And, and it slows the defense, it will slows down the pace of the game, allows the defense to get set up. So there are so many things that go into being able to do that. And I think that Tyrese and, and De'Aaron will be able to get to that point where they're doing that consistently. Um, and then it, if Alvin had more time to be able to implement actual plays and in a fast paced system, you don't really call them plays there. It's a series of quick hitters that have options out of them. And it's all run in transition as your, as your, you know, your, your secondary offense, if you will, you're never really getting set up into a half court set because that takes away a lot of the, the gifts that both Tyrese and, and De'Aaron have. And I don't know if you've noticed it, Matt, but Tyrese has been doing this all year and now you're starting to see De'Aaron do it. You're starting to see Buddy doing it. They're jumping out of bounds after either the ball goes out of bounds or the team makes a basket and they're mm -hmm. grabbing the ball so fast, trying to get it to the official so that they can get it back to them. And it's like, they're like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. So I see steps in the right direction. And since, since Alvin um, took over the team, um, I looked it up before the Clippers game. I believe that it was like 14 games or 15 games since Alvin had taken over. And it was like, if it was, it was, if it was 14 games, then it was 13 games over the course of the last 13 games, they were number one in pace in the league. Mm. So you're seeing a, a, a move in that direction. And I do think that with some time um, and patience, which I know is, is a tough thing to ask for, you know, given this current situation, this, those two can play side by side and be extremely effective, but they have to get used to doing it and they have to get used to a system and roles. So the crazy thing about it is what's going to happen at the end of this season, Matt, who's going to be the coach? What is the system going to be? It's like another thing of like a wait and see, and then it's another adjustment. Today's Locked on Kings podcast also brought to you by Built Bar. The holiday season's still going on, even if Christmas is now over and done with. I hope you got some Built Bars in your stocking or under the tree this year. But if you didn't, it's not too late for you to order some and get a good deal. Built Bar is incredibly healthy for you. They're delicious. They taste like candy bars, low calories, low sugar, low net carbs, low fat, high in protein, covered in 100% chocolate. These bars are absolutely delicious, and they have a wide variety of flavors. My favorite is mint browning. There's also a raspberry or cherry or orange if you like uh, fruit flavors. There's double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie for those chocolate lovers out there. So many options for you. What you need to do 
is go to built.com and get yourself a mixed box. A mixed box is going to send you a bunch of different flavors for you to try. And then once you know what flavors you like, you can go back to built.com and order the specific boxes with the specific bars that you want. It's what my wife and I do really every couple of weeks. When you do go to built.com to order a mixed box or whatever box, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, it definitely seems like the Kings are in kind of a transition phase when it comes to their systems. And that's what's so difficult about a coaching change mid-season is Alvin, especially with already being on the bench with Walton, basically has to stick with a lot of what Walton does while trying to sprinkle in his own uh, while he's able to do so. And one of Walton's chief philosophies that I liked initially that now I think is is become almost a hindrance to this Kings team, he preached a very high volume of threes. Um, and at this t- point in time, the Kings are 24th in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. They're 33%. They're not a good three-point shooting team at this point yeah, in time. Yeah, they, they shot... They shot 36 over 36% last year. Yeah, they and, are. And it's just not, and it's largely the same, uh, largely the same roster, but this team is not hitting at, at the pace that you would expect them to. And so to a certain degree, the volume of threes has been an issue. Yeah, and we've seen 140-plus point performances a couple of times uh, from this Kings team. So we know they're capable of getting hot, but that feels like a lot of things have to go right to get to that point. And I asked, actually, Doug Christie about this after um, after the, the most recent uh, game, and I, I talked to him about how even though you do have guys that you trust like Buddy Heald, for example, the majority of the time when Buddy puts the ball up, you expect it to go in, or at least that's what we hear from teammates and and coaches. That hasn't really been the case so far this season. At what point, Katie, does it become a hindrance for this team? It it hurts them that they're relying too much on outside shots. Cause I hear you talking with both uh, Kyle and Mark on the broadcast all the time about get yourself started offensively by getting to the basket and then try and find your offense from, uh, from beyond the arc. And it just doesn't seem like this team does that enough? Well, I, you know, I think that part of it too, is this team is very, very good at getting into the paint. And um, prior to everyone kind of going out in, in health and safety, it's dropped over the last five games, but with everyone going out during uh, before health and safety, I think the Kings were like second or third in the league. I believe it was second in points in the paint. So how defenses are going to play them, Matt, is they're going to try to lure them into three-point shots and have that be the option that looks the best. And that's why they're taking them because they're giving them to them. Now, in theory, offensively, you know, I understand from a coaching perspective and a player's perspective, if that's the shot that they're giving you, then if it's open, you take it. Um, but the issue with it is, is that you have to have a feel for the game. And as a player, you have to know, okay, um, I've taken a couple and they're not going in. Let's try a different option right now. And we'll come back to that. Right. And so I think that the problem is too, when you look at the last five games with everyone in, in health and safety, I believe it's five games now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't look at that, those five games, and and think that that's kind of what the reality of this team is because what did buddy take against the clippers 18 threes or something you know kind of crazy like that and he started out i want to say one of 10 um and so the issue with that is that if everyone were healthy um you wouldn't have that issue you would have a substitution you'd bring them out um, but they don't have bodies on the floor right now. So if Buddy's gone one for 10, okay, who do you bring in? Do you bring in, 
Emmanuel Moutier? Do you bring in a Day Murky? Do you bring in, a, you know, Justin Robinson? Like these are guys on 10 day contracts coming out of the G League. You don't have the depth. Literally your starting lineup is your second unit. And so when you look at kind of the live or die by the three that we've seen over the last, you know, five games, I feel like that's an isolated instance because I do feel that that is something that Alvin Gentry has done since he's taken over is that if the three is not fallen and he doesn't like the shot selection, you're sitting next to him on the bench. And then they're going with other options, you know, like look at Harrison Barnes, for example, Harrison Barnes is a, a highly intelligent NBA player. And he started out the season just absolutely shooting like the heck out of the ball from beyond the arc. And then he started struggling. And what has he done since? He's still getting his points. He's still getting his numbers, but he's doing it by getting into the lane, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, and he's still producing. So that you, you need that mentality as an entire team. If something's not working, don't keep going to the well try to figure out another way to get the ball in the basket. And so, you know, the game against the Clippers, yeah, it was a little frustrating uh, to watch and to see, and then you have to put it in perspective. It's like, okay, well, you know, Buddy's not shooting the ball well, and they're so depleted right now. It's like you, you have, you don't really have other options to go with. And so you kind of go with what you know. And to be honest, I mean, the, the, four or five games or six, no, it was six. Cause I broke it up in, in my, on my game board. There was that six game stretch where buddy was shooting like just a really terrible number and had been held to single digits and, and all of those in multiple games. And then the last six games prior to going into that Clippers game, he was shooting 52% from beyond the arc, but the strangeness of it. And I talked about it on the Clippers broadcast is that in the game against Washington and the game against Golden State, Buddy started like 0 for, like 0 of 6, 0 of 7 in the first half. And then in the second half against Washington, he went 6 of 6 from beyond the arc and hit four in the fourth quarter and absolutely went off and sealed that game. And then the next game against Golden State, again, terrible performance in the first half from beyond the arc and then just ignited in the second half again. And so then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, well, he shot a really good clip from beyond the arc. But when you break it up into like how the game played out, there was issues. But I don't feel like if Alvin were available and all the bodies were available that 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 would have even he would have had the opportunity in the second half to go six of six. Do you see what I'm saying? Gotcha. He, he, he wouldn't have been given the same, the same opportunity. And so I kind of look at these last five games and, and since everyone's been in health and safety and the three point shooting, and I take it a little bit with a grain of salt. Um, I don't want that to impact my, my kind of view of how they've done on the season. I do feel that things had gotten a little better in terms of shot selection and the, the volume of threes had gone down. A couple more things for you, Katie. First off, you've known and worked with Doug Christie for quite a while and to see him suddenly go from the broadcast booth to becoming an assistant to the head coach he's serving under get fired to now he's serving under Alvin Gentry, who he's had a great relationship with to Gentry going down. And, and suddenly you go from not being a coach at all at the NBA level to now you are a fill in head coach who is, who's making decisions. 
I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Doug has handled it as well as he has. It doesn't surprise me the amount of respect that he commands around the league. I love the fact that he's authentic to himself and you can hear him, whether it's at the arena or over the television broadcast, you can hear him. Yeah, you can hear the whole broadcast. Yeah, yeah he, That's just <laughs> who Doug is. He's authentic to himself. So just based off your understanding of who Doug Christie is, what have you thought about that interesting position to put him in? And I've, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Doug get an opportunity as an NBA head coach. I don't know if it's going to be here in Sacramento as early as, as next season, who knows when it's going to be, but we know Doug has ambitions for things like that. Just your overall thoughts on what Doug has done and, and what is honestly a, a pretty difficult situation. Yeah. Oh, I have a lot to say about this and I'll try and do my best. Um, first I'll start with, you know, the fact that I think that Doug was made to coach and I've, I've felt that way from a long time, just because, you know, he's, he's made it very clear that that was something he wanted to do. Um, and then in terms of his work on the broadcast, Matt, I've been doing this a really, really long time. I think like 15 years now. And I've seen a lot of people come and go, um, former players in this league, uh, both as, as coaches and on broadcast. And I have never seen a former player do as much work as Doug. He was the most prepared. He did his work. He, he came with his notes and, and he was thoughtful about kind of how he presented himself and presented the game on the broadcast. A lot of guys walk in and, and when I say guys, I mean guys and, and former players like women as well. And they think that they know the game, which they a hundred percent do because they've played it, but they don't understand the work that goes into actually being a broadcaster. And Doug took it so seriously and knocked it out of the water. He was just tremendous. And I like immediately was like, he's really great at this and you don't see that very often. So when it, when it turned to him going um, to the coaching staff, you have to keep in mind, Doug has never been a coach in his entire life. I mean, he's coached his kid. He's done individual, you know, lessons and things like that. Like he's, he's worked with people developing them on an individual basis, but it's totally different when you step into a coaching staff, especially, you know, at a professional level because of how it's broken down and the amount of responsibilities you have and how to run a practice and how you practice plan game plan. All of those things are like a whole nother thing that you don't really know until you get into that situation. And so I knew that Doug was going to go about it the same way he went about when he started his his broadcasting career. He was going to put in the work and the time, and he was going to continue to get better and learn. And that's what we've seen. And then, so for the, the situation to arise where this pandemic has presented him with this opportunity to step into the big chair, I'll just say like the first press conference that he had. And I, like you said, I've obviously worked with Doug a long time. I was mesmerized by the way he conducted himself in front of the media and not because he was a former media member. And he understands that this is, this is just in that moment. I'm like, I knew Doug was made for this, but wow, I didn't take a single note. I just sat there just kind of mesmerized by him talking and how, how he conducted himself, how he answered questions, how thoughtful he was and the way that he, he views this whole thing. And he's been very forthright and honest about kind of the process for him and, and so positive. And so the job that he's been able to do is not surprising to me, but at the same time, it's like, wow, it's difficult to do that, to never have coached before this season. And then to, you know, 30 games in, find yourself in the big chair and you're adjusting on the fly, operating with a completely, you know, depleted, decimated roster 
the one thing that I will say that I'm, I'm not surprised about, but watching it has been really, really fascinating to me. What's going to make Doug an amazing coach is his, his, the way that he has relationships individually with the players, watching him talk to them as they come off the floor, talk to them, you know, during timeouts and have one-on-one conversations and connections with those players. Those are the things, especially with young teams that you absolutely have to foster because it's interesting. I think it was the game against Golden State that Buddy started off with like three turnovers right away. And he looked over at the bench and you could tell that he was kind of panicked and he was trying to like calm himself down. But in doing that, he was trying to tell Doug, like, I'm okay, I'm okay, right? Well, then the conversation happens with Doug coming off the floor, going into the locker room at halftime. Buddy came out a completely different person in the second half and he was playing relaxed. He wasn't frantic. He just settled into the game. And I attribute that to the way that Doug one-on-one walked with him to the locker room and gave him the confidence that he need, he needed and also the criticism that he needed to hear. And that to me has been probably the most fascinating part about watching Doug in that chair is watching how he interacts with the players. Finally, Katie, the Kings are seven games under 500 as, uh, as we sit here today. And yet at 12th in the Western Conference, they're only half a game back from the uh, the 10th spot, which of course is the final play-in spot. Now I'm, I'm a little more negative than this than uh, with this than I am positive because not only did I want the Kings to make the playoffs most more than likely it was going to be through the play in I wanted them to look like they belonged there and truth be told even though the Kings are half a game out of the play in as of right now or just based off of the full context of the season uh, it doesn't it doesn't look like they necessarily belong in that conversation even if standings wise with how bad the West has been with the exception of the very top of the West. uh, The Kings are still very much in it. I'm curious your perspective on that. It's a, it's a blessing in a way because they have time to figure it out, go through these bumps and still very much be in the mix for the second half of the season. But at the same time too, there, there seems like even though it's half a game, it seems like there's a big gap between where this team is right now and where they expected and need to be in order to have a legitimate chance in a play in scenario to win a couple of games to actually make it into the playoffs itself. Yeah. Well, this is the the great thing about, about sports, isn't it? You know, we can sit here and we can analyze the way that they've looked. And I'll tell you, like I watch a lot of other teams play Matt and I would say that there aren't a lot of teams that have looked great this year. Mm-hmm, I agree. And, and so, you know, when you talk about deserving, I think that's an interesting way to kind of view things from, because the reality of the matter is, is no matter how your season has played out, what matters is at the end, the way you're playing then, if you are in a position to have the opportunity, it's about where you are at the end of the season. And we have to really, really think about this. The last three seasons, if you include this one, have just been the most bizarre that we've ever seen in the sports world. You know, you have the pandemic hit um, on March 11th, season canceled slash postponed. Then they take up in the bubble. They have the, they finish the season in the bubble. You have a a crowned title winner in the Lakers. And then like a month or two later, you're starting training camp. And Mm -hmm. then last season was abbreviated and it was just everything about it was so out of whack and abnormal. And, and then you come into this season, we're still dealing with COVID. Every team has gotten nailed and every team that hasn't is going to be, you know, it's so I look at 
kind of the term deserving is kind of thrown out the window because what has been going on the last few years has been complete and utter chaos. And if you can manage to get yourself into a position at the end of, year, of the year, no matter how it looked in the process, that's when you have to be able to take care of business and you have to hope that you're healthy. Like, would you rather than be hit with COVID now and look terrible and, and kind of what's been going on the last you know few weeks and even the first 30 games, however you want to view it, or would you rather than get through some, some bumps in the road now and then hopefully later in the season, that's something that is, you know, kind of propelled them in the direction to figure some things out. I kind of look at it as that way. I'd, I'd rather them go through this now than look great and then get to the end of the season and then, then have to fight through adversity, then look bad. And then it's like, you, you know, like, oh, what you wasted the season. I, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's the, the player in me, the mentality of like, you just keep going to work. You just keep trying to improve and get better. And so deserve, it, it's a word that I think is, is meaningless. What, when you deserve something is when you're actually in that spot at the end of the season. It's like, well, I deserve it because that's what the record says. And I got here, you know? And that's the player perspective that I don't have that Katie brings to the broadcast every chance she gets. Katie, you've been phenomenal so far on the broadcast this year. I've really enjoyed it. It's always a treat to have you here on Locked on Kings uh, when I can. I look forward to hopefully having you back on maybe later on in the season when we're talking about this team setting themselves up for a play-in slash playoff run. Uh, we don't necessarily always know what version of the Kings is going to take the floor, especially right now with all the uh, COVID protocols. But we do know that you and, and either Kyle or Mark uh, will be on the broadcast. So thank you so much for taking the time appreciate everything that you do and i uh, can't wait to have you back on very very soon it's my pleasure matt and and merry christmas to your family and give that sweet little boy a big hug huge thank you to katie for joining me on today's locked on kings podcast hope you enjoyed that as much as i did if you want to respond to whatever dis- uh, katie and i discussed please do so you can reach me on twitter at matt george sack you can email me matt george sports at gmail.com or uh, feel free to leave your thoughts down in the youtube comment section down below uh, just so you know, I will not have a post game podcast tonight. I will not have any podcast for the next three or four days because, uh, my wife and I are going on a long overdue, uh, vacation, a vacation that we had planned right before, uh, the COVID pandemic started. We're finally now able to take it right after the holidays. So we are going to be traveling a little bit. Wish us luck, uh, with that. But so a little hiatus for now. And I apologize about that. Uh, in the middle of the NBA season was the, really the only time that we could take this vacation. Uh, so we are going to be taking a few days off here. Uh, there are plenty of other great Sacramento Kings podcasts for you to fill your time with in the meantime, whether it's the Kings Beat podcast uh, with James Ham and Sean Cunningham uh, or Kings Polls or Deuce and Mo. There's so many good podcasts. I hope you don't replace Locked on Kings, but to hold you over until then. Uh, and when I come back, of course, we'll jump right back into all the Kings coverage. I'll fill you in and we'll talk a little bit about everything that I missed over the next few days. Hopefully it's a good stretch of days rather than a bad stretch of days for the Kings. And if any big news happens, I'll do my best to maybe release like a, a short breaking news type podcast. Uh, but more likely than not, I'm going off the grid, off social media, taking a break and just spending some time with my family here that I haven't been able to do in quite a while because of COVID. So I uh, I hope that you will enjoy your time. Again, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Hope you have a Happy New Year. We should be back right around uh, the New Year. We might have one more episode this year, if not at the very start of next year, January 1st. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, until next time, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.